Hello, listeners, and welcome to A Little Wiser. I am here with Tara Daigle, who's back in Denver. Hello, associate producer Tara Daigle. Hello. Good to be back. And Erica Gerard is here with us from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hello, Erica. (laughs) Hello. As always, we're going to talk about last week's episode, which was with Simon Fung, and all of us felt very strongly in a good way, I think, about this episode. So I'm really excited to talk about that. But I had a big day yesterday related to the podcast, and I have yet to talk to either of you after, so we're just going to do it now. I know. I've been so excited for this debrief. Well, first of all, I should say anything related to all the wiser, well, related to lots of things, even if it's not on the podcast, but I'm out speaking about it, talking about it. I'm in communication, collaboration, like creating with you. So this was very much not something, it was something I did, but you guys really helped and supported me. So the thing is, I gave a TEDx talk. Um, Yes, it was very exciting. Um, So official. Yes, it was very official. And it was interesting. And it was about the podcast. The name of the talk was The Transformative Power of Sharing Our Painful Stories. And I don't have a ton of fear around public speaking, which most people do. I think my fear in general in life is like not being enough, (laughs) not being perfect. So it's more of like the head game, right? Right. Of am I going to be okay? Right? Am I going and by okay, I mean, like, am I going to am I going to be excellent? So I gave the talk and I'll tell you high level. First of all, one of my greatest fears, I went to high school in Santa Barbara, which is where the talk was. So my greatest fear was not public speaking. It was that one of my boyfriends from high school was going to be (laughs) in the audience. Well, what's so scary about that? I mean, I guess if you're going to run into your ex-boyfriend, like, it would be great to, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Here I am just giving a TEDx talk. No biggie. (laughs) No big deal. (laughs) No, I just felt like it would it would be a distraction. It would kind of take me out of my game. So that didn't happen, which I'm very grateful for. No, I digress. So there was no boyfriends in the audience. That was helpful. I gave the talk. And the talk is basically, here's what the talk is. It is the hero's journey of this podcast, who I was five years ago before I met the 100 guests on the show, and how sitting next to them in their painful stories, also in all of their humanity, right? Not just the pain and suffering, but all the wisdom and growth and love and humor, how I was transformed by that, including finding the courage to share my own story. So I have done a fair amount of talking about bipolar, which I'm now convinced is the least interesting thing about me. (laughs) I and done this these talks, this public talking about shame and secrecy, and that no longer feels like my story. And so this was the first time telling, not necessarily, I talked about it because it's part of what happened to me on this podcast, but it was really about how I've been changed by the show and our guest. And my biggest thing was I was having a really hard time, A, getting out of my head, 
So I'm not reading a script and trying to say like these like zingers and one liners. Just just Erica, you said it. You're like, you know, the story. Like, yeah. it's just a chronology. You know what happened to you and you know what you learned. So it was a matter of how can I just get up there and share that? And I was really hung up on the ending. And the ending came to me yesterday. I woke up and went on a walk slash run, fast walk, <laughs> on the beach. <laughs> Thanks for the specification. And I was like, okay, here is the ending. And so I'll tell you how I ended it, my TEDx talk yesterday. And now I woke up this morning, the day after my speech, and actually figured out how I could have delivered the ending significantly better. <laughs> if I can, no, not better. That's a good thing, right? The first time you do anything, you learn. So, right. so do you want to hear yes. my conclusion? So what did you, yes, what was yes. the ending? The anticipation is killing me. All right. Picture the stage. Most of the time, it's all black. It has the beautiful font, the transformative power of sharing our painful stories. I go through the whole journey of being like empty, exhausted, burned out journalist, finding the podcast, sharing my own story, being changed by all of these people I'm meeting. And then minute of this, the talk is the black screen one by one and motion graphics, all hundred faces come up behind me which I could not see because it was behind me. But according to my husband, Graham, it looked very powerful (laughs) (laughs) to see all these faces. Yeah. So that's what's happening. And I ended it by saying, here are the three questions that everyone asks about this journey. The first one is, how do you do it? People are scared of being in proximity to pain and suffering. And people are confused how I can get that close to that level of pain. So how do you do it? How do you sit next to people who have been burned in 90% of their body or lost their children in a school shooting? The second question is a statement, which is, I listened to the show and, you know, thank you. I realize my divorce is not the end of the world. So that's a statement, but it's really a question, which is, is my pain valid? Is my pain real? And then the last question is, how have you been changed? What have you learned? Mm -hmm. So my answer to the first question is, being in close proximity to pain is scary for everyone, including me. And here's what it looked like, right? I sat next to the mom and said, tell me about your son. What was he like? How did he light up a room? How are you making meaning of this? And the pain and suffering were there, but all of her, right? It allowed all of her to show up. The growth and the pain and the stories of the people who got her through. So that initial fear of being so close to to someone's pain, the talk was better. (laughs) But it was about not being afraid of our own pain and not being afraid of others. Right. Because in that there is connection, there is healing, there is wisdom, and growth for both people, right? So so not being afraid of your own and not being afraid of other people's was a big part of this. The second piece was learning, and this was for me to learn too, that all pain is real, 
that just because I didn't go through something as traumatic or harrowing or awful as somebody else doesn't mean that whatever I'm going, the perspective can be helpful, helpful, but this notion that all of our pain, the guest pain is real, Erica and Tara's pain, your pain is real, mine is, and everyone listening. So just giving permission, no matter what it is. And then the third question is, how have I been changed? And sharing my pain and sitting in others' people, I am more compassionate with myself. I'm more compassionate with others. I make more time for what matters most. Like I'm less of, I've softened and slowed down a lot from hearing these stories and thinking about my own. And for somebody who spent a hundred, five years talking to 198, I guess at this point, people about pain and suffering, I feel more hopeful about the world, <laughs> which I don't think is the answer people would expect. Um, considering most people are scared of even talking to one of those people. So in an essence, like it forced doing this talk forced me to think about, and it's still like I'm working this out live yesterday on a stage and right now with you guys. So yeah, that was it. And I wore a super cute yellow blazer and jeans. (laughs) When can we see it? And a white silk top. Uh, I don't know when they publish it, but you can see it. Wow. I can't wait. I can't wait. We will certainly let uh, you guys know when it's up so you can watch it too. I'm very excited. It was so fun helping you put like the visuals together for it because just hearing the story and when you practice doing like the run throughs with us, it really, especially with this being like the final season was so impactful to put together a slide with a hundred faces on it um, and have them come up and just see everyone's lives that have been changed that you've spoken with, connected with. So it was really cool to, to be a part of seeing that come to fruition and have you really talk about how it's changed your life because I know it's changed mine. It's changed all of ours and we all have all these new friendships, right? We met all of these people all over the country and the world. We're going to talk more about this in these last few months with you, but it's really exciting to to think about it on a deeper level. Okay, on to Simon Funk. Pivoting to last week's episode with Simon. Erica, what'd you think? So for those of you who haven't listened to it, just quickly, quick overview of the episode Simon Fung is a host and creator of the hit podcast, Dear Alana, in which he chronicles his journey through really over the period of 10 years, he was in conversion therapy. And the reason he was doing conversion therapy is because he had a dream of becoming a Catholic priest. Uh, But that tricky, tricky problem of sexual orientation um, was getting in the way. So he set out on a journey to try to change his sexual orientation and um, and ultimately was not successful in that shocker news spoiler alert didn't happen. (laughs) 
But I loved this episode so much. It was, I mean, he's such a beautiful storyteller and he's able to recount his story from a completely different perspective. But the way that he tells it really allows a person to get it, see where he was coming from and why he was so desperate to make this this change. And he really breaks down all of the activities and exercises that he was told to do. And they are wild. I mean, the stuff that he had to go through at these conferences. Oh, the massage. They bring in a hot guy to massage him. Yeah. And the guy has also been through conversion therapy. So clearly is a gay man as well. That was the part in the interview where I was like, sorry to interrupt you, Simon, but I kind of wish you guys grabbed hands <laughs> and ran, <laughs> and away, ran together. away together. Yeah, that was one of my favorite parts of the interview because in my brain, I was like, same. <laughs> I was I'm like, like, oh my gosh, is this going to become a love story? <laughs> I wanted it to, them to be like, get the hell out of here. I have a question about this episode. I'm curious the two of you think about this because he mentioned you asked him and he mentioned kind of the origin story of why he wanted to become a priest or where that came Mm -hmm. from where that you know dream even came from and he talked about how he remembered he had some of his earliest memories were I think he he drew a picture as a kid with crayons and he was dressed up as a priest and and his grandma was in the picture and then he was a priest and that was like his earliest memory. And it made me wonder how how these memories or these images get formed in such a young person. Like was that his calling to become a Catholic priest or maybe he you know, he saw a priest and decided he liked the outfit and he drew, he decided to draw it or I don't know. I just I wonder where our where our inspiration for certain paths comes from. I don't know. Is an that even relevant? That. I, yeah. I don't know if it's relevant, but I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I know. The answer to that, and I imagine it's different for every person. Sometimes, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Do you, Tara? No, I have no idea. I guess I should say that this is coming from a person <laughs> myself who I also went into a program, a clergy path. I was in rabbinical school and thought that was my path to become a rabbi or a chaplain, a Jewish chaplain, because I'm Jewish. It was a Jewish chaplaincy program. And and ultimately realized that wasn't it. But and so Simon also realizes that that's not that's not it for him. And that he can be fully himself and embody all of those qualities and all of those things that he can uniquely bring to the world and his relationships and his friendships. But it didn't necessarily have to take the shape of what he thought it would be. 
And, and I related to that because I think a lot of times we don't know why we choose the paths that we choose and that we're so hung up on the framework and the title and the structure that we don't always see what's underneath that and that it's really not about those things. It's about who we are inside. Does that make sense? I feel like it's such a unique, like it's such a unique experience to feel like that is your calling Mm -hmm. in life and that's your path. So I feel like I can relate to a degree, but because I was definitely like full force, a super Christian at one point, (laughs) not that there's anything wrong with that, Mm -hmm. but I was like very involved and not that I don't have a faith, but it looks very different now than what it did at one point, if that makes sense. So I think just realizing and experiencing life as we go through it, I think you learn more about yourself, you learn more about the world. And I think what I, what came up for me is I wonder what that path would look like if at the point that he's like, I know a priest can't be gay, even though I know there are gay priests. I know that's like not what you're supposed to do. I I can't help but think, but what if there was, you know, but what if there were, what if that was something that was allowed? You know what I mean? I know that's like such a whole different conversation and way beyond this conversation. No, it's relevant because, well, good on him, first of all, because he could have buried that secret and just moved forward. He even said that there are so many Catholic priests who are gay and that just don't. Same sex attracted. Right. Same sex attracted. But he was committed to telling the truth and not living a lie. So that was good. Totally. One thing I thought I really liked about the episode was how, well, there was two things. One that felt deeply personal to me and then other that I just think is important for us to think about and lots of different issues and aspects of our society. But this idea that conversion therapy isn't happening, like, oh, that used to be a thing where people went to camps and pray the gay away. Nice. And in doing the research, he's like, no, they just changed the language. Yeah. Because that isn't acceptable anymore, right? There was laws and policies put in place. He said, still, ha- now it's, I have a mentor who's counseling me. So it's very, to think that is a thing of the past, which it's clear that it's not, that the language changes. Right. Because the old mm-hmm. and it's like sneaky yeah, in a way. Right. We're hiding th- it. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Yeah. And Erica and I and Tara and I, you know, I've never wanted this show to have any sort of agenda in the sense of like political, religious. I wanted it to be what it is, which is a place for all people to share their stories and show up as them full self as their full selves, right? And we've had every religion, race, you know, we don't talk a lot about politics and political ideology, but my guess is it's very diverse. But the religion piece has been um not say harder for me. I relate to Simon in the sense that I am a Christian. 
I am a God person, and by that I mean I believe in God. I see God, right, and nature and art and my kids and my work, all of that. I am having a very hard time recently with organized religion. And Simon and I, when I heard him talking about the podcast, and he said he almost had a fear because he didn't want to defame God and his faith because it's so integral to what he is. But parts of organized religion, he did want to distance himself. And that is very much how I feel because I, the God that I know is a all-loving, all-inclusive. So this notion that something th- that <laughs> Simon or many of our guests on our show or many of my friends are somehow less loved or that their love or marriage or sexuality is you know, and this and the the talk is, oh, the thought is not a sin, it's the action. I have a very, very hard time with the representation of that being God, if that makes sense, because the God that I experience is so unconditionally loving. What I see that is a petty God that I don't know. Right. Totally. I can relate to, to that as well because in God is not a punishing God in my tradition. There's no, God isn't, that is not God's role (laughs) to be punishing. So I have a very difficult time as well with witnessing that type of uh, talk, that type of behavior. And it is incredibly painful to me to think about all the innocent queer kids in this country who are going through these programs and they are creating very real harm to these kids. Yeah. Yeah. Wounds that run deep and that will derail the course of their life, the pain that will last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, some referring to the podcast, Dear Alana, not to, give it away but it's she ultimately takes her own life because of it and I think that he I'm so glad that he's out there bringing more attention to maybe what some people think is an archaic practice that like you said doesn't exist anymore but is very much alive and well and as we mentioned at the end of the episode there's only 22 states that have enacted any type of meaningful legislation to prevent these harmful practices from happening. So we have a long way to go. I really want to encourage people to listen. You're going to need a new podcast because ours is ending. (laughs) It may as well be Dear Alana. It's so good. (laughs) It is so good. The way he talks about it, it, it's just, it's really good storytelling. It's a really deeply important message. And um, yeah, I thought it was interesting because I, this idea of the reconciliation of like, you know, my faith and my spirituality, which is such a integral piece of who I am and, and even this work, and then organized religion and, and some of these things that people associate with 
what it means to be a religious person or a Christian person. And I, that is hard for me, right, to reconcile what I think a lot of people associate versus how I experience my faith. And Simon, it was as if this thing that was existing in me and that I was wrestling inside, this story came and this incredible man came who was saying it all out loud through his own journey. So it was a conversation that meant a lot to me for Mm -hmm. that reason. Yeah. And he's just so lovable. Yes. I know. And so smart. Yeah. So smart. So smart. Yeah. And his relationship with Alana's mom and it's, yeah, he's, 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 and I feel like that's, the his story was like sitting in our inbox forever and we somehow, oh, really? it was it sitting was. in your inbox, Erica. It's your fault. Nuh-uh. Uh, yeah, well, no, it's not your fault. <laughs> I'm kidding. But it was that one email that you had forwarded to us and it just became like we had a conversation, but it kind of just like hung out for a little while and she followed up and was like asking about it again. And you had nudged me and was like, hey, can you guys get back to this very (laughs) sweet lady? Well, we get pitched a lot of guests and everybody has a book or a podcast and we're always looking for very specific types of stories. So I think it was initially pitched as, hey, this person has a podcast, right? So it wasn't. Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So when we put it on our list, but then just never like the follow through didn't quite happen, but Mm -hmm. she came back around and followed up with us and it ended up being at the around the same time that Kimmy had listened to the podcast Mm -hmm. and the rest Mm -hmm. is history. Yeah, it was from his publicist who's lovely. I think it's a really important episode and we have all felt like this last season deeply committed to telling telling stories about issues that are happening in the world that we're thinking about and that we care about. And I, that is very much aligned for me with Simon's episode. Yeah. Agreed. And a side note, as someone who is now living in the South where these practices are happening all around, after working on this episode, I was like, I want to know <laughs> If anyone, can I find people to talk to here who've been through conversion therapy? (laughs) And my poor, sweet next door neighbor who went to the the Christian college here, Covenant College, when she met her husband there and I texted her out of the blue and, (laughs) hey, did you know anyone who went to Covenant who went through gay conversion therapy and... She, like I said, this whole story and she just wrote back, nope, (laughs) that was it. Just nope. I was like, okay, no one clearly does not want to talk about this. Okay, fine. Well, I think one of the things is transparency because people have a absolute right to their religious beliefs and their interpretation of the Bible when it comes to causing harm and suffering for people who the queer community, right, being feeling that they are completely broken and, you know, that their love is a sin is I do have to say in L.A., it's 
wonderful because so many churches have the rainbow flag. It's literally a sign of all are welcome. We're inclusive. We're all loving. I was, you know, my kids were two of the three of my kids were baptized at Brentwood Presbyterian Church. And it is a congregation with lots of gay families with gay leadership. And there is a rainbow flag and there has been for the 13 years we've been there. And so I do think there are some religious organizations that but the transparency is really something that I think people need to be honest about because if people are coming to worship and be a part of a community where the only way they're going to fit is if they change they should probably know that on the front end yeah um so I'm not saying if you're Anglican or any of these that that I'm going to sit down and have a theological debate and convince you that I'm right and you're wrong. But I would strongly encourage, if I was in debate, that you are transparent. Yeah, so. I, I guess I'm just used to. There's my little soapbox, which I try not to get on. No, on no, podcast, you're I you're right. Didn't. I it's I think we transparency is is everything when it comes to mm-hmm. healing our wounds and our shame. And our secrets and our stories. And I guess I'm just so open and honest about all of my shit that I assume other people are too. And I forget sometimes that people do have sensitivities around certain subjects. And I'm hoping that the more just open and casual I can be about it, maybe I can invite people more into a conversation but it's a good reminder Kimmy that that I I, maybe I do need to approach it differently or maybe I shouldn't have said that over text maybe I should have just (laughs) (laughs) it was not the way (laughs) it was no it was not in response to your text nope (laughs) nope she usually has so much to say and she not have anything to say yeah well these are listen these are hard topics these are and churches and all around the country including many in the south are reconciling with some really big questions Mm -hmm. and a lot of churches and the presbyterian church being one of them like the national at the national level are reconciling and rethinking things and also a lot of them are taking accountability and putting out thoughtful letters about the harm that has been caused. Yeah. So these are important things to be talking about, and I'm glad we're talking about them on this podcast. Yes, and I don't want to make it sound like it's just the South because it's not. And I mean, Simon was in conversion therapy in New York City. In New York City. Yes. It's happening. Yeah. So it's happening in LA. That's what I'm saying. It's happening. Mm -hmm. That is my, yes, that is, it's happening Mm -hmm. everywhere. No, I think, his his message is really important, and I'm thrilled that his show has been so successful. I think it was one of the top podcasts on Apple. It's yeah. a real deal big show, yeah. and because yeah. it's a great way for people to spend time thinking about this, right? We all it it sounds like whatever power of storytelling, but in this case, it's a really powerful way to get people thinking and talking about this issue of conversion therapy. All right. Do you want to tease what we're going to be airing next week? 
wow, how do I tease this one? Because when I first say it, everyone is very alarmed. <laughs> when I say, <laughs> I've met this new guy and I love him. And he was a former white nationalist. And that is all true. And next week you are going to meet Arno. So Tara, through an organization, Parents for Peace, who is working, doing interventions for people who are in violent extremist groups, organizations, and their parents are trying to get them out and help them heal from hate, essentially. And through Parents for Peace, we met Arno, who is a former white nationalist, a white supremacist in the 90s, and now is working with Parents for Peace, is a speaker, a filmmaker, an author, a Buddhist, uh, really, really interesting conversation, especially right now where there's so much hate in the world and hate in yes. our country. Again, having these conversations just human to human with these larger themes and issues that matter. And Arno's is like just there's some sort of teddy bear in there. He's he's Definitely. great. He's he's really, really cool. So cool, dude. all right. That is on deck for next week. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's A Little Wiser. Do you feel wiser? Do you guys feel wiser after this episode? Do I? That's a good question. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we apparently... <laughs> I think I just got dumber. <laughs> All right. We'll have at it again next week on our quest for more wisdom. Yes, we will. All right. We are going to end with a shout out to Joyce. We have been asking listeners to either write to us or send a voice mail. I'm not going to lie and say it's been an overwhelming <laughs> response <laughs> getting people to move on these things. Takes but time. for the people who have we have to read Joyce's email. Yeah, let's let's Joyce is a, is a a woman who's also a grandmother who discovered the show recently and has been binging and she sent us an email. And Erica cried. I grabbed my heart and forwarded it to my husband. And I don't know what Tara did, but I'm the one that discovered it. So I had the first reaction, of course. I'm the one that gifted you all with it. (laughs) Should we read Joyce's email? I mean, it's a pretty long email. It's it's too long here, but but I can just so we won't read Joyce's email. The end, which is. She talked about that how powerful and full of wisdom and encouragement and inspiring they are. And she talked about a couple of episodes that she found especially meaningful. And she said their willingness to be open and honest and vulnerable and humbly share the rawness of their stories has had a profound impact on her. They impress on her the importance of seeking and doing good deeds for others. It is profoundly important. I want that to become my mantra. Do good deeds. The motivation in waking in every waking day. Thank you for bringing good stories to us that inspire as opposed to the bad news that seems to fight for our attention. And I wish your storytelling could continue on forever. But if not, then I am very thankful that I discovered all the wiser. Best to you, Joyce Troxler. (laughs) Thank you, Joyce. Joyce. We love you, Joyce. 
So if you want to be like Joyce, Tara, <laughs> how can everyone be like Joyce? Be like Joyce and call or text us at 310-243-6364. Or if you're not the calling or texting type, you, of course, send us an email at hello at allthewiserpodcast.com. All right. Love you, ladies. Love, Simon. Love, ladies. Love Joyce. Love you guys. Take care. Bye.